Jesus began to say, repent, repent. Repent means to change your mind. It means to change your ways. So the Bible says he began to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you go back to Matthew chapter 3, you will notice that in verse 1, John the Baptist was preaching the exact same message. 
the, the exact same words. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so the ministry of Jesus was basically a continuation of what John the Baptist had started. And that was why John the Baptist said, I am but a forerunner. Immediately Jesus started, he realized that he would not be able to do the work alone. And so from the first day, he began to recruit. The Bible says he saw two brothers, Andrew, Simon, Peter. And then he said, follow me. Those words are heavy. Somebody you've never seen before. Although the Bible gives us the impression in John chapter 1, that Andrew used to be a disciple of John. And Andrew had heard Jesus speak. And so the next time he saw him, he left John and followed Jesus. The Bible then says, that Jesus entered the boat of Peter on one of the occasions. After Peter has preached all night and caught nothing. And Jesus showed him a glimpse of what he could do. And so no wonder when Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The Bible says immediately they left everything and they followed him. Now that is the message that was commissioned into the hand of the church. But the question that you first of all ask yourself is, as I am recruiting for the kingdom, what is my message? Is my message, come, God will bless you. In fact, some messages can be narrowed down to say, come and be a Christian, you'll be a millionaire. Some messages can be narrowed down to say, come and be a Christian, you'll never have problems again. But the message of Jesus was very simple. Follow me, and I will transform your life, and you will become a fisher of men. If you understand that when you are saved, it is primarily for the benefit of the kingdom. 
Because Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. We want to look at some few things here. That statement, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It can be broken into three parts. The first part involves something that you do. And that is that you leave whatever you are doing and you follow him. I will talk to you very brief, very, very shortly now about different types of followers. The second part means that as you are following him, something must change. He says, I will make you as far as you are following as far as you are with me I will automatically transform you as far as you are seeing me the way I do things as far as you are listening to my message as far as you are going with me where I need to go as far as you are seeing my compassion as far as you are seeing my care as far as I see my love, I will then make you to begin a new line of work that you never did before. A new line of work that only one can be commissioned to do by his grace. By doing the work, you are actually promoted from the secular to the spiritual. Let me, let me say one thing about that. Most of us think that you get promoted from the spiritual to the secular. But in reality, you get promoted from the secular to the spiritual. For all purpose and intents, Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were not new fishermen. In fact, there were people that had been fishing and knew the art of fishing. But so God, Jesus, was calling them to a new work. You will notice of everybody that Jesus called, It was only to Peter and Andrew that he added the words, I will make you fishers of men. He did not tell that to John. He did not tell that to James. He did not tell that to Nathaniel. He did not tell that to Levi. He did not tell that to anybody else. But he specifically told those two. That it doesn't matter how much success you think you have here. I am going to take you to a place where you will have even greater success 
part in the kingdom. Let me give you an idea of the kind of followers that there are so that you understand where you stand. In reality, in order to be part of this recruitment exercise, you need to be a follower. You cannot show somebody the way or where you don't know. But you'll be surprised that a lot of people are doing that. You cannot show people how to do in an aeroplane if you have never been in an aeroplane. So I will just run through them very quickly and then you will know where you stand. Number one, there are those that follow because of what they can get. Number two, there are those that follow because they like the message. Number three, there are those that follow because they like the messenger. In John chapter 6, when you listen to the discussion there, you find out that there are those that are followers, but they are unbelievers. Let me explain them. They come to church. They serve in church. They seem to be following, but they don't believe what they are following. Just for reference, read John chapter 6, verses 60 to 69. John chapter 6, verses 60 to 69. You will see an example of that there. Number 5. You have the followers that are believers. That is the ideal class. That is why Peter answered. When Jesus asked him in that passage, he said, will you also not go away? Will you also not go away? And then he said, where shall we go? He said, for we believe that you are the Christ. And that you have the words of life. Peter was saying, We are following, but we believe. Then, number six, there's a word called oxymoron. Oxymoron just means when two things that are not supposed to go together, they go together. There are some believers that are not followers. They are independent Christians. They are independent Christians. In John chapter 12, after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the Bible talks about a group of people. He said, even though they believed, they did not profess him as Christ. He said, because they love the praise of men 
more than the praise of God. Brethren, I'm believing God that none of you is in that position. And then number seven, there are those that follow two masters. And the reason they follow two masters is that if one fails, the other one is still there. There are those that Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Is that that you will love the one and hate the other? I'll give you an example. When people have spent all their energy doing one thing, and then they are tired, then suddenly they remember God. Suddenly they remember God. And then they say, now it's time to pray. By the time they open my mouth before they close it, they slept. They wake up in the morning. They say, God understands. They say, after all, I was so tired, I just slept off. Brethren, you first of all have to know where you are, to know where you are going. If you are going to recruit people to the kingdom, you have to be a believer and you have to be a follower. Thank God for Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul knew that this generation was going to come. And so Apostle Paul told us in two different places. Two. First Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter 11. He said, Be ye followers of me, as I am of Christ. I meet people, they say, No, I only want to follow God. But you don't see God. Half of those people can't even hear God. And that is why I came to understand one fact. If you want, you can write it down. You cannot follow God if you can't follow man. You can't. It is nearly impossible to follow God that you don't see if you cannot follow man that you see. And so the person you are trying to recruit to the kingdom in your workplace, the person you are trying to recruit to the kingdom in your school, the person you are trying to recruit to the kingdom in your family. What are they seeing you do every day? I remember a story that if not that is sad, it would have been funny. Now, some of us went to certain schools, we call them boarding schools. Some of you do know what I'm talking about. Now, I remember in those days when you're a junior student, you're in grade 7, grade 8. Even if you don't read your Bible, you better believe in Jehovah Jireh. Because by the time you get to the dining hall, the food is finished. And so, like Apostle Paul, you will learn to abound and learn to abase. He 
in when I was in year two, which is grade eight, we had been preaching around school. And in the process of our preaching, you know, when you are in grade eight, you preach anybody and anybody on the street. I had forgotten that I had preached. So we entered the dining hall on this particular day. And it so happened that that day all the seniors were not around. It was during Amatan winter. So it was still dark. Now, normally, they will put eight eggs on one table for eight people. And you can count weeks that by the time you get there, the egg is gone. <laughs> so I entered that day when they opened the door. <laughs> A dining hall of more than 1,000 students, there were only about 100 of us there. I decided that today we are not eating bread. Today is the day that the Lord has made. So I didn't even make it to my table. The table next to me, I took all the eggs like that. I think that was not enough. I saw a student on the other side. I said, can you pass me two eggs there? He looked at me. He said, bro. Bro means brother. He said, is that what you are preaching to your people? Brethren, immediately I lost appetite. <laughs> so what are we saying? When people see you, they should be able to follow what you do, not just what you say. Yeah, some of you think pastor is bad now. But some of you are just like me. Don't, don't worry, I, I, won't, I won't tell your secrets. Praise the Lord. Now, why should you follow Christ? These are the things that you need to tell people when they ask you, why should I follow Christ? Number one, you can follow Christ because of his character. Who is he? He is God incarnate. Who is he? He is the presence of God with man. Who is he? He is the lion and he is the lamb. Oh, who is he? Is the one that came to take the sins of the world. Oh, who is he? He is the one that when he gives you a promise, you can rest on that promise. Brethren, that is character. Character means you say it and it is so. Character means even if it is going to hurt you because you promised it, you do it. Do you understand? You know, occasionally when you are very happy, you make some, what's it called now, some promises. And then when the time comes to make the promise right, you suddenly realize that this is going to cost you more than you thought. What will a man of character do? You fulfill the promise. 
Jesus came into the world and realized that we were worse than he thought. But what did he do? He fulfilled the promise. That is what? Character. Uh, some of you say, I went to that person's house. I wanted to give him $50. But when I got there, the way he greeted me, the $50 shrunk to $10. Some of you do that. Or let me say, some of us do that. Occasionally, you wish that God can show what is in your heart. Can you trust him? Yes. Does he inspire you? Yes. That is character. Why else do you follow Jesus? Number two, capacity. What can he do? Don't forget, I'm not talking about ability. I'm talking about capacity. Capacity is the inherent, inborn ability of a man to do something. Ability is how much of that inherent ability you are able to tap into. Don't mix the two together. If you have... Okay, look at this church. This church has a particular capacity, right? Good. Now, the capacity of the church is how many people can fit into the church. Occasionally, I tell people, just like somebody said this morning, there are some prayers that you pray. It's a waste of time. God does not increase capacity because the capacity is fixed. Now, if we have 20 people in this church, the ability of the church at that time is 20 people out of 175. Are you getting it? And that's why the Bible says he gave it to them according to their several ability, not capacity, ability. Jesus had all the capacity. He's one of the few people that tapped into all and he used all and he died empty. He died empty. Number three. Knowledge. What does he know? He knows everything. In fact, Jesus, in, in so much knew everything, he told them, said before Abraham was, he said, I am. Number four, what does he, what can you, why should you follow him? Experience. What has he gone through? What has he done? He has not only suffered what you suffer, but for doing nothing, he looked at them on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. Oh, you can't but, you can't but imagine the kind of person that Stephen was. As they are stoning him. And he knows that he's bleeding to death. He opens his mouth as he remembers the master. And he said, Father, do not count 
the sin to their charge. Go ahead and read that passage very well. Stephen was not an ordinary Christian. The Bible says before Stephen died, he looked into heaven. The Bible never recalls that Jesus is standing at the right side of God. But when it was time for Stephen to go, uh, the Bible said, and he said, I see Jesus standing, not sitting, standing. How many people does Jesus stand for? And then somebody say, I will pray my way that Jesus will stand for me. It would be unfair to Stephen. If Jesus were to stand by prayer, it would be unfair. Number five. What relationships does he have? Brethren, if you are looking for connection, I don't think you need to look elsewhere. If Jesus can connect you, you don't need any other connection. Number six. What is his vision? Number seven. What is the authority that he has? I've given you seven different reasons why you can tell people why they need to follow Christ. In fact, it is difficult to say that you are following somebody if you are not quoting their words. I like Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul used to tell us. He said, oh, even our Lord Jesus Christ said. And then you wonder, when did he say? He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But then I will have time to tell you how people will respond when you try to recruit them. Some of us might have responded the same way. Number one, some people will have excuses. If you read Matthew chapter 8, Luke chapter 9, John chapter 6, some people will have excuses. For example, the Bible talks about a scribe. He said, Master, I want to follow you. Then Jesus said, I know why you want to follow. But your information, I don't have a house. Uh, the guy said, I will see you again next time. Those are the people that want to follow for what they can get. Number two, Jesus said, Jesus turned to one of his disciples. He said, you follow me. Ah, he said, let me first of all go and bury my father. Those are the people that don't want to let go of the past. He turned to another one. That one said, I will follow you, but let me go and first of all wave bye-bye to them at the club. Let me go to my family and tell them I'm leaving. Let me contact my 22 girlfriends and tell them I'm no longer their boyfriend. Let me tell those people that we used to go and steal together, we are no longer stealing. And then you will notice that in the process of telling them, they said there's one extra job to do. Amen? What are the questions that you need that they will ask you? 
Now, let me say this here. When you are a representative of the kingdom, the people you are preaching to, they don't know Christ. They don't know Peter. They don't know Paul. They don't even know Matthew. I learned that some years ago. I was trying to minister to a medical student. And I said, the book of John says, he said, who is John? I realized that this is going to be tougher than I thought. So they don't know all those people. Who do they know? Who do they know? You. So the question is, who are you? Who is your real you? In your place of work, are you the gossip? What you tell this one is different from what you tell this one. And then you say, by the way, come to our church. They will ask you, where I am is better than where you are. Remember, I was saying why they should follow Jesus' character. That's the first thing, character. Number two, the other question they will ask you. What can your Jesus do? And if he can do so much, why has he not done it for you? What is your testimony? You used to lie before, you are still lying now. You used to steal before, you are still stealing now. Whenever anything gets missing in your workplace, the first place they look is to you. If they are looking for the laziest worker, it is you. You get to work, you spend the first 30 minutes in the toilet. During lunch, instead of 30 minutes, you spend one hour. And then every day you are saying, I can do all this. Number three, what are the other things they look for? They say, what do you know that I don't know? But then when you are trying to recruit for the kingdom, find out about other people. One of the things that I have seen that has helped a lot is when you make the conversation less of what you want to tell them and more about them. I was talking to a Muslim one time. I said, for example, I know that you pray five times a day. For example, you do this, you do that, you do that. Oh, the conversation became very cordial. Because I know something about them. Brethren, don't go around condemning other people. Find out about them. Find out about their culture. What is your experience with this Jesus? What is your testimony? Those are the questions that they will ask you. One other thing you need to be careful for is that it is on head of, but you hear Christians complaining about their church and other Christians to unbelievers. Christians, 
a lot of unbelievers will know exactly what is happening in your church. No wonder they don't want to come to church because they, are, they think they are hypocrites in the church. As I close, I want to give you an idea. When you are recruiting for the kingdom, personality does not matter. There is no personality that God cannot transform. And secondly, there is no personality that God cannot use. Let me put it like that. Number one, there is no personality that God cannot transform. Number two, there is no personality that God does not use, cannot use. I'll give you an example of the personalities of some of the apostles. When you read through Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will not find Andrew's name in a lot of places. You will find his name in John chapter 1. He was the one that saw his brother and said, come and see the master. Andrew never wanted to be the center of attraction. That was his personality. But Andrew had one big thing going for him. He always found a way to find a solution for every problem. Do you need people like that in the kingdom or not? You do. For example, 5,000 people are sitting down. And Jesus looks at Philip. Not Andrew, Philip. And Jesus says, Philip, what should we, how can we feed these people? Philip is an administrator. In fact, I believe Philip is an accountant. He didn't go to school to study accountancy, but he's the kind of person that he doesn't spend money. Ah, immediately he said, ah, these people, all the money, we can't even feed them. As he was speaking, Andrew overheard. Andrew is like somebody in this church. He knows everybody that has a need. Andrew said, ah, when I was at the door, when people were coming, I saw a boy with two fish and five loaves. Andrew already had the solution. Do you need people like that in the kingdom or not? Or is it Simon? I'm telling you this so that you don't think there's anybody that God cannot help. Or that God does not want in the kingdom. Simon was a different breed, Peter. It's one of those people that we talk before we think. But Jesus saw him and said, this is a good leadership material. It's because leaders make spontaneous decisions. So all I need to do is to expose this guy to a lot of things so that he will have experience under his belt and then he begin to say the right thing. Oh, I can tell you about James and John. James and John were very, very similar. There was only one thing that was different with John. And all of you will attest to this. I'm sure you know people like that. John was the kind of person that he would never start anything, but he can finish. Do you know people like that? They, won't, they don't have initiative to start something, but they can finish it. 
Are you getting it? That is why when, God, when Jesus himself was living, and you will see it in the book of Acts, wherever Peter went, John went. Oh, John wasn't only the man of love. So don't deceive yourself. John was the one that said, leave me alone. Let me call fire down from heaven. <laughs> God said, ah, I can channel his love for me into the love for the people. And that's why you will notice that John was the one that started writing about love later, right? I mean, who else can you talk about? Is it Levi? Matthew? Oh, Matthew was a different breed too. You will notice that in Matthew, he was a tax collector. He knew how to keep records. Do, you, do we need people in the kingdom that know how to keep records? Yes. Matthew was the only one that knew the Old Testament very well. Go and check your scripture. It was only Matthew that kept saying, so that it shall be fulfilled as it was said. Do, do we need people that know what the law says? Do we need people that knows what the history is? We need them. I'll give you one last one and then I will close. Most of us know Thomas. Uh, there was a time I used to talk a lot about Thomas. I like Thomas. Most of us are just like Thomas. The only difference is that we don't say what we are thinking. So that's the difference. We don't say what we are thinking. But Thomas desired to say what he was thinking. Thomas was a cautious person. He's the kind of person that if he does a photocopy, he will look at it and be sure that it's the same as the original. But Thomas was very committed. Go and read John chapter 11. John chapter 11. When Jesus told them that Lazarus was dead, let us go and wake him up. <laughs> Thomas said, this may be a cold, that the master is going to die. He said, let us go so that we can die with him. Most of you never read that passage. But Thomas said, let's go and die with him. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and what? The life. Why did he say that? Because Thomas said, show us the way. So when you are reading, understand that everybody in the kingdom is useful. Look at your own character. If God can use your character, God can use any character. Oh, let me tell you the truth. It is hard to live with me. If I put my shoes here and you move it by one centimeter, I will know. It is very hard to live with me. I will say, who moved my table? My wife will say, I clean the house. I said, yeah, because I know somebody moved my table. If God can use meticulous people, then God can use it. Why don't you rise on your feet? But then today you want to ask yourself, 
Am I a believer? Am I a follower? Am I one or the other? Or am I both? You need to ask yourself. By virtue of your life, how many people have been recruited to the kingdom? You need to ask yourself. Have you written some people off because of their character? Have you written some people off because of what they look like? Have you written some people off because of the way they talk? I want you to lift up your voice and begin to talk to God. Those of us that need to ask for mercy, why don't you begin to ask God for mercy? And say, God, I am supposed to be a midwife bringing people into the kingdom. But on the other hand, I have been repulsing people from the kingdom. I pray for mercy, O oh Lord. If God can save you, God can save anybody. That is why that song is good. He said, that saved a wretch like me. But then God saved you so that you can go out there and talk to people. So that you can go out there and minister to people. So that you can go out there and be an ambassador for him. If you have not been doing that, I want you to talk to him this, this morning and say, from now, I will begin to do the right things. I will allow Christ to walk in me. That people will see the, the Christ in me, the hope of glory. Let's talk to him very briefly. Let's talk to him very quickly. Let's talk to him this morning, brethren. Talk to him. It doesn't matter where you are. Either you are in Canada, you are in Nigeria, you are in Congo, you are in Cameroon, you are in Ghana, wherever you are. God expects you to make an impact in the society. Why don't you lift up your voice and talk to him? And say, God, I need help. You can be you can be open with him. God, I need help in this area. Are you one of those that write people off? Are you one of those that condemn people that God has not condemned? Why don't you just lift up your voice very very before I round up? Why don't you lift up your voice? And say, God, as I'm going again into the world for another week. I need a new opportunity, Lord. Opportunity to be a witness. Opportunity to minister the word. I need a new opportunity, oh God. Let's talk to him as we round up. You want to commit your way into the hands of the Lord for this for this last part of August? Say, Father, let my days be eventful. Let there be testimonies in my life. Internal testimonies. Testimonies for the kingdom. Testimonies of answered prayers. Testimonies of salvations. Testimonies of people that are coming back to God.
Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Father, we want to thank you this morning. We bless you, God, because you are faithful in all things. Thank you, Father, because indeed your word has been spoken and it has been heard. Thank you, God, because none of these words will fall onto dry land. Lord, I pray that as the word has gone forth, let us begin to see the effect in the name of Jesus. Every life that needed correction, I pray that today let that correction be permanent in the name of Jesus. Everyone that needed a reproof, I pray, Father, let the reproof bring out good things in us. In the name of every life that needed instruction, I pray, Father, that today, oh God, let that instruction stay with us. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray, every one of us, as many as are driven people far from the kingdom, I pray, God, for mercy today. I pray, Father, God, that today, oh God, open doors of opportunities. In our families, doors of opportunities. In our places of work, doors of opportunity. In the name of Jesus. As your children will go forth, Father, put your words in their lips. Every word that they will need, Father, put it in their lips in the name of Jesus. I pray, everlasting Father, oh God, that this week shall be loaded with blessings for them. That this week shall be loaded with success for them. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Father, for everyone that is looking for a job or a better job in our midst. We pray, Father, that you show up in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, for those that are waiting for you for a miracle that seems to have carried. Lord, let today be their time. In the name of Jesus. Father, set this in motion concerning them. In the name of Jesus. Is there anybody praying for a loved one here? I pray everlasting, Father God, that you will answer their prayers. I pray, God, we will not mourn over anyone. We will not cry over anyone. Lord, let our testimonies bring the world to your side. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Will you please share the grace and fellowship?